Thank you for tuning in. This is the Fit Minute Podcast, where we talk all things health, fitness, and lifestyle. And now for the show. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Gabby Mazar. And on today, I have Dr. Steve Piriano. He is a, an emergency medicine physician who is passionate about healthy lifestyle. So welcome to the show today. I'm so glad to have you. Uh, I love talking to doctors because uh, especially doctors that are passionate about healthy lifestyles, which all medicine medical doctors should be. Um, but I love talking to doctors because you have kind of a, a totally different um, outlook on life and from the medical medical side of things. So tell me a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your history, how you got into the medical field and um, more about yourself. Sure, well, uh, thank you very much, Gabby. I appreciate you having me on the show. I thank you so much. As far as about me, so I am happy husband, father of two uh, teenage boys, 118, 116. I'm very proud of them. Live in upstate New York, and I'm an emergency medicine physician. And I've been an emergency medicine doctor for, well, since 2002. And how did I get into emergency medicine? Well, I guess the kind of, I always wanted to help people. I guess that's the reason most of us got into emergency medicine. I was fascinated with the human body. So just putting those two passions together, the desire to help people and my my passion for the human body and just all its amazement and how it works led me to become a doctor. So emergency medicine, how, what what drew you to that field specifically? That's a good question. It was actually kind of a tough decision for me during my third year, fourth year of medical school, we had to make the decision. I was actually torn between anesthesia and emergency medicine. I loved the physiology and the science behind both of them, but uh, emergency medicine just drew me in because I got to work with lots of different people with lots of different problems, everything from the common cold to appendicitis to car accidents. And so it was a great variety and uh, I'd love to be able to kind of get to do detective type work in the emergency department, trying to figure out what a person's symptoms were due to. So what caused you to look outside of conventional medicine to look at different pathways to health and wellness? That's a great question. And I just want to preface that by saying that in my early years of practice, all I knew, and I I thought that conventional medicine was the way to basically maintain good health. I thought that pills, procedures, and surgeries was how to keep people healthy. That was what I truly believed. But then in 2007, I had my own health crisis. I actually was diagnosed with kidney cancer and I had surgery, chemotherapy, and I'm very thankful that all the years later I'm here and well. But uh, I have questions, you know, at the time of my diagnosis, I was wondering, like, why did I get cancer? Am I not living as healthy a life as I thought I was? Is there anything I could do to stop this from happening again? So actually, I remember very clearly um, a short while after I was feeling better from my surgery, I walked into a Barnes & Noble in Manhattan with these questions. And I bought some books. I bought a couple of books on nutrition, wellness, meditation. And I read. I started reading them. I was fascinated by what I was reading. It just opened my eyes to a whole new world of 
what people can do to help maintain health. It was so different from what I had known from emergency medicine and conventional medicine. So I just started reading and learning more. And, and then I shortly, when I got back to work, I started to actually realize and take note of the patients I was taking care of. I was seeing so many patients with diabetes and high blood pressure and heart disease. And I used to always think that these were diseases of older people, but I was seeing people in their 50s, 40s, even 30s with these diseases. And I started to kind of, in my mind, this, these patient experiences started to merge with all this self-education I was giving myself. And I thought, wow, people are really not living as healthy as they can be. And we probably could be doing so much more to keep ourselves healthy. So what did you, what do you feel like you learned from all of that, from the books you were reading, from the education you were giving yourself other than, you know, that people of younger ages, because I, you know, I see the same thing too, because, you know, being a personal trainer, being a, a Pilates teacher, owning my own studio, I see everything, you know, you see all kinds of different illnesses. And, you know, I see diabetes. One of my good friends, when we were 35, 36, he was diagnosed with diabetes, had no clue that that was even in his family or that was something that he could possibly get. And the first signs was he started losing his eyesight. And then all of a sudden he started losing weight rapidly, but he was doing a weight loss challenge. So he thought that that was part of it. So, you know, never in his wildest dreams did he think that that was something that could happen. So, what kind of things were you, did you learn, um, did you learn uh, uh, from doing all this research? Yeah, the, the big thing I learned was that lifestyle is such a huge and very important part of our health. Lifestyle is, is basically key. It's, it's critical in keeping us healthy and without living a healthy lifestyle, the chances that a person is going to develop one of these chronic diseases like, like diabetes or heart disease or high blood pressure uh, increases dramatically. But if you live a healthy lifestyle, you will definitely help to substantially reduce your risk of developing these types of diseases. What about your own healthy habits? Well, now they're very good. And it's funny. So back in 2007, uh, I found out that I wasn't really living as healthy as I could be. Um, now, exercise, I was great. I always loved to exercise, so I never had a problem with that. I always try to keep myself in good shape. And honestly, I was probably I'm one of those people that most of you would hate because I can eat as much as I want and not gain a pound. But, um, but exercise is great. But what I found out was that what I learned was that my diet really wasn't as healthy as I thought it was. I was eating granola bars, so much processed food. I was eating dinners that came in a plastic, you know, in a bag. And, and I thought they were healthy. And I also seriously lacked in the fruits and vegetables department. I wasn't really eating much fruits, vegetables, whole grains. And even as an emergency physician, I thought that my diet was healthy. I mean, granola bars, they, they have to be healthy. And after learning so much, I started to changed the way I ate. I started to basically eat more fruits, vegetables. So now my, my diet primarily, I guess I would consider myself, I am a whole food plant-based vegan. I eat basically as much fresh fruits and vegetables as I can, whole grains, beans, nuts, seeds, 
and uh, that's kind of what I eat and I, I enjoy it and I feel feel so great eating this type of uh, eating these types of foods. I think that you would definitely have been in the majority. I think a lot of people do think they eat very, very well and think that, you know, yeah, granola bars are great. And, you know, these, this packaged food, it says it's healthy and this is good food. I'm eating really well. But when you look at the actual ingredients of something, a granola bar is packed full of sugar and, you know, those packaged foods are packed full of preservatives and the things that you're actually eating are not healthy. But when you go back to basics, if you're eating basic food, you know, yeah, the nuts, the seeds, the berries, the uh, even if you if you're not vegan, if you're eating just organic meats and basic foods, those are the things you should be eating, not stuff that's full of preservatives, stuff that's full of sugar, stuff that's full of just crap. You know, it shouldn't have all these ingredients that you can't pronounce. And to be fair, that there's there are some things that, you know, you can't you don't know what it is like niacin. You know, those are that's something that you should be having. But uh, there are things that you should be eating that you may not necessarily know what it is because they're nutrients and vitamins. But um, things that are packed full of stuff are crap and we don't necessarily know what it is. So if you're just eating basic food that's good for you, you're nourishing your body, you're eating good food. And I think so many people do think they're eating well. I remember I had a client who came in one time and said, oh, I have a Jamba Juice every day. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> like, Do you have any idea what's in that Jamba Juice? This one Jamba Juice is like 1500 calories and has like 300 grams of sugar like no do not ever have that again do not ever have that you are pre-diabetic you have diabetes in your family like no and he had no idea to him he's like i get my fruit every day but like packed full of sugar and you know i'm like this could literally send you into diabetes do not do that, you know, and, but people have no idea. So it's, it's just, it's very interesting that, you know, even, even a doctor could think that way. Right. Right. Exactly. I think it's really, I think education is so important to try to educate and create awareness. Like I said, labels are important. Like I used to see, you know, eat bread or flour, like, wow, this bread has enriched flour. Wow. It's rich. That's great. You know, but then when I learned, you know, enriched just means that they actually stripped the fiber from the grain and the nutrients, and then they just added back a few of the nutrients, and it's not you're missing the fiber, so it's really not really not healthy, you know. But looking at the word enriched, it sounds like it's it's such a good thing, right? Exactly. So, was there a specific patient uh, that caused you to question people's overall state of health? Someone that you worked with specifically. Yeah, there was. There was another another experience I'll never forget. Uh, back early on when I first became an attending, we got a call from EMS. They were coming with the cardiac arrest. So we got prepared. And then shortly, a little while later, the uh, ambulance doors burst open. Paramedics rush in. They're doing CPR. And this lady on the stretch, and she looks relatively young. And I find, ask how old she is, and she's 39 years old. 39 years old. So right now I'm going through in my mind, was it a drug overdose? What could it have been? Because 
I no way I thought it could have been a heart attack or anything like that. So we worked on her for a while. We gave docs, we gave medications, multiple rounds, really worked very hard to try to resuscitate her. But after working for a long, long time, I realized that it was futile. And I just, we stopped resuscitation and felt very badly about that. So anyway, um, about a week or so later, I was, you know, still very curious. I had this, this patient in my mind. I wanted to know what happened. And um, I spoke to our medical examiner and they told me that, you know, she actually had a blockage of her coronary arteries, the arteries of her heart. This lady, this 39-year-old lady with kids had actually died of a heart attack. And I was, I was shocked. I was thrown back. I, I did not think 39-year-olds had heart attacks, but, but she did. And, and that was really, that was a, a very, that was a pivotal experience for me. It really showed me that, you know, these chronic diseases, these are, this is, this is a serious problem and it's affecting people that are younger and younger. Yeah, I just uh, I just knew someone that I went to high school with who just passed away of a heart attack at 40. Oh, oh yeah. my God, I'm sorry. Yeah, 40 years old. I was also shocked. I mean, it's I had just turned 40 just a few months ago. It's I mean, it is I, it you just don't think it will happen. You just don't think at 40 that 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 should happen to you but we don't take care of ourselves and and i you do know that genetics does play some sort of role we do we are predisposed to certain things sure. but what you eat how you take care of yourself absolutely does play a role so you know we have to understand that that you have to take care of yourself but but after you came to the conclusion that people aren't likely to live healthy because most of most people are living busy lives and and doing things and and on this autopilot what did you decide to do what what did you decide to take action to do well first thing was i well, regarding myself or re regarding other people? Both. So, well, regarding me, I, I changed my diet. That was the key thing I did. I changed my diet and I actually learned about meditation and I, I started to practice mindfulness meditation. And I found that that really helped me. So those were two things I, I did for myself. And I definitely, I think I raised health up as a priority on my list of many priorities. So that really rose to the top. So, and, and as far as other people, so when, when I was seeing this and how, how uh, sick people are getting and at younger ages, I really felt the need to, to do something. There, there's a lesson, there's a message here. And I felt there was something important that needed to be, you know, broadcast out into the world. So actually, I started writing articles for a couple of local newspapers about health, nutrition, wellness, also a little bit of personal development. And I was pleasantly surprised when I received feedback from the editor saying that my articles were very well received. So I was like, oh, wow, this is great. So then I thought, can't say, hey, why don't, why don't I write a book? So I actually uh, thought about it and I started to uh, came up with an idea and I actually wrote um, a children's book with uh, an adventure book with the theme of health and wellness. Then I, I wrote a second one. And then I also wrote a, a memoir about a lot of life lessons that um, I've had and also 
contains a lot of my insights of health and wellness, just hoping to get this, this message out. I want to be able to try to help uh, adults and kids to live healthy lives because if kids, if we can get kids to understand the importance of physical activity and uh, eating the right foods, and if we can get them to know that, then they'll likely main, develop and maintain healthy habits and grow up into healthy adults. Yeah, I just had this conversation yesterday, actually, that that same client that I was telling you about, about the Jamba Juice, he has a uh -huh. little brother um, who is overweight and, you know, he can't choose his, he's younger and can't choose his own foods and he eats school lunch and his mom cooks for him. But um, his brother asked me to sit him down and give him some options of things that he can do. Um, choices he can make for school lunches and how he can eat better at home and exercises he can do because he likes to play video games he doesn't play sports and how he can uh -huh. make better choices and i sat him down and i said these are portion sizes these are the portions you should be eating and you can google that but this i put on a piece of paper and i said this is a portion of rice this is a portion of meat this is a portion of fruit and vegetables. And I said, you know, this kind of helped him with that. And I said, when you're at school, what kind of choices do you have? This is the choice you might, you might want to make. I said, sometimes you can choose this, but most of the time choose this. When you're at home, maybe ask your mom to make these choices at the, at the food store and bring this home sometimes, or if she does that, you know, and just to give him ideas and, and, it was really nice to know that, you know, his brother did tell me that, yeah, he's making better choices. He's going to the gym two and three days a week, just getting on the treadmill. And it was like, oh, you know, you're making a little bit of influence. And, you know, his brother's making a little bit of influence on this 14 year old kid because they don't know. They don't have the education and they're only learning from, you know, their parent or the people around them or the other kids around them. So you have to educate them because they don't, they don't know any different. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, when they, yeah, go ahead. I uh, saying when, if, if they start to feel better by eating better foods and they're enjoying the foods and it's kind of like if they, they, they develop some momentum and they, it's just a, the, the life that they, they should start to pick up because they feel so good doing it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and then they can make, they can influence people around them as well. Absolutely, if they're making definitely. better choices than, than the kids around them. Well, hopefully you would think that the kids around them are, will make those choices too, because they can educate them as well. Or take the kids, you know, their friends with them to the gym to walk on the treadmill or to go play basketball or, you know, go for a hike or something. So you would hope that you're, you're sending out influence into the world, but. Yeah, I think there's a lot of influence there. If you see your peers, if you, you know, they say you, you, they say, I've heard that you're like the, the, the combination of the five people that you're closest to. So, you know, if you see your peers and they're eating healthy foods and exercising, even if you're not that type of person, you're going to start to say, wow, they're doing it. You know, you're going to feel that influence and you're probably going to also start following some of the habits that they, uh, some of the things that they do as well. Absolutely. So you've learned something, you know, um, it's called lifestyle medicine. Um, yes. How did you learn about it? And what are the six pillars of lifestyle medicine? So I learned about lifestyle medicine actually from 
an article in, in one of the emergency medicine newspapers. It was written by a, a lifestyle medicine, uh, an ER doc who is certified in lifestyle medicine. And she was just talking about how lifestyle is so important for good health and how there's this field of medicine that addresses that. And I was like, wow, that, that article just spoke to me. That I was the first I'd ever heard of it. And what lifestyle medicine is, is basically using evidence-based lifestyle interventions to prevent, treat, and even help reverse chronic diseases. And the, the six pillars of lifestyle medicine are basically the, the six things that are considered to be the most important to the six most important lifestyle factors to help maintain good health. And it's basically eating right, getting regular physical activity, sleeping well, managing your sweat stress well, and um, developing good social connections, good relationships with other people. And the sixth one is avoiding risky substances like tobacco and alcohol. So that, uh, how does that work? So that basically the six pillars is lifestyle medicine and that's avoiding all those things is how lifestyle medicine works. Yes. Yes. So basically, um, so so let's say you have a person. So let's say there's a, a patient who comes to you, your lifestyle medicine practitioner. You basically you basically speak to that person and assess their their current lifestyle and their current level of health. And are they living a healthy or an unhealthy lifestyle? And if their lifestyle doesn't seem to be as healthy as it should be, basically what you ask them is, all right, if I kind of you know share with you some some things that might be helpful, and if they are in agreement, then basically explain the the dangers of an unhealthy lifestyle and also the benefits of a healthy lifestyle. And then you kind of assess kind of their readiness to change. Where are they? I mean, on their lifestyle journey, do they want to live healthier? And if, if they do, you basically, it's a, it's a collaboration. One of the, the big differences, um, there's a big difference between lifestyle medicine and conventional medicine in the kind of role the patient plays. So in conventional medicine, um, the, the doctor is, is the expert and the doctor basically diagnoses the disease and we prescribe the treatment and the basic in the patient is, is more of a kind of a passive recipient of the doctor's expert advice. Whereas in lifestyle medicine, the patient is an active participant in their own health in lifestyle medicine. The goals are made with the patient. The patient kind of helps develop the goals, the lifestyle goals, the plan it, it's done together. It's a collaboration. So it's a, uh, it's this collaboration. And once we come up with a plan, we also try to figure out like what obstacles are there for the patient. Like if we want to eat healthier, is it, do they have someone to go to the store for them? Or is there time to cook, to go shopping? So we try to figure out the obstacles and their support systems and try to find out what we can do to overcome these obstacles for the person to try to help them to live healthier. So I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but going back to genetics, uh, some people think that that's a dominant factor in determining overall health. Uh, but now that we've talked about lifestyle medicine, and obviously I don't necessarily believe this because I do think that you can overcome those things and not necessarily get you know the things that are genetically predisposed to, but um, do you believe or is it true that uh, that is a dominant factor? Can you overcome these things? Can you, um, is it true? So basically, you know, can you still live healthy? Can you be healthy 
and not get ill from the things that are genetically in your family. I absolutely believe that. After all I've learned over the past 15 years or so, I've learned so much. And yes, like you said, genetics um, can predispose us to diseases like heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, cancer. That's definitely true. No doubt about it. However, there's, uh, there's a field of medicine called epigenetics. And what epigenetics shows us is that genes, whether they're healthy genes or with good genes or bad genes, they need to be activated to actually do whatever they are going to do. So let's say, for instance, that uh, a person has a strong family history of heart disease. Everybody in their family has heart disease. So this person likely has a genetic predisposition to heart disease. They likely have genes that will increase their risk of developing heart disease. But again, those genes need to be activated in order to increase the risk for heart disease. And the thing that will either activate them or keep them turned off is lifestyle, which will affect your internal environment. So if this person eats a really lousy diet, they basically eat fatty foods, fried foods, processed foods. And if they're sedentary, if they smoke, if they're under a lot of stress, if they don't get much sleep, all of these things combined with that genetic predisposition will definitely increase the likelihood that those genes will be activated and they'll go on to develop heart disease. However, if the same person with the same genetic predisposition has a totally different lifestyle, if they eat healthy foods, lots of whole natural foods, if they exercise regularly and you know, they're not sedentary, they don't smoke, they sleep well, they manage their stress well, they have good, strong relationships, if all of these things are true, they are going to create an entirely different internal environment and they are going to decrease the chance that they develop heart disease. And, and that has actually been shown scientifically as well. There's been studies. Um, Dr. Ornish, uh, well-known um, doctor way back in the 90s, I believe, he actually conducted a study. He took patients who had angiographically proven heart disease, meaning they did an angiogram, looked at the blood vessels of the heart and actually saw plaque buildup in narrow vessels. And he did a lifestyle intervention. Basically, they, they ate healthy foods. They stopped smoking if they smoked. They exercised. They had also group psychosocial support. So they try to manage their stress. And um, they followed these people. And these people actually, they felt better. But they actually, when they looked at their blood vessels again, they did another angiogram the plaque in their heart blood vessels was actually lessening. Their blood vessels were actually opening. So their heart disease was actually being reversed solely by lifestyle. And, and these people in this study, they were not on cholesterol medications either. So it was just lifestyle that actually reversed their heart disease. So it's really amazing. So yeah, we have genes and genes are important, but they are not our destiny. And I think that's such an important thing for people to understand. Yeah. And, and it's not to be said that it's a hundred percent, right? I mean, right. but it, it does significantly, significantly decrease the likelihood of, so, I mean, it's, you could still, but significant, I mean, absolutely. You will see huge, huge drops in, 
you know, the likelihood for sure. Um, yes. So, of course, I mean, you want to change your your lifestyle, you want to eat better, you want to exercise. But that being said, I mean, you know, we talked about you completely changing your food habits, but are there days where you don't feel like exercising? Oh, yeah. This, yeah. I definitely have days where I don't feel like exercising. <laughs> I have days where I'm scheduled to go out there and run or work out or whatever and just not in the mood. Just, I don't feel like doing it. I'm tired or whatever. But I just, the thing I do is I, I just do it anyway. If I'm going to run and I, so I just go out, I take those few steps, I start running. And actually, you know, when I'm in that kind of mood, the, the first five, 10 minutes, is, it's hard. I really feel pretty lousy. It's hard. But then I start building momentum. I feel really good. And it turns out that I actually have some of the best workouts on days when I just didn't feel like working out to begin with. Well, there's never a day you regret working out. Right. Exactly. <laughs> after you exercise or after you do it, you're never like, oh, I wish I didn't do that. <laughs> mm -hmm. So true. So true. There's, I mean, it's, it's always hard to get there. It's always like, oh, man, I could be doing something else or I don't, mm, I don't feel like that. But you're never going to regret doing it after the fact. You're always going to be like, I'm so glad I did that. It's over. It's done with. And now I can go on with the rest of my day for sure. Absolutely. Exactly. Um, if someone does want to buy either of your books, what are they, what are the names of your books and how do they get a hold of them? The books are uh, the Josh and Joey's Incredible Museum Adventure is one of the children's books. Um, and it's funny, the, one of the main characters in that book is kind of like your um, client's brother. He was not, he was very, enjoyed playing video games, but not much of the physical activity. So that's one of the books, Josh and Joey's Incredible Museum Adventure. The other one is called the Lost Ugu, um, and the other one is um, called My Steps Forward, an inspirational guide to living a better health. And they're available from Amazon or Barnes and Noble. And also my website, which is steveperiano.com. Okay, perfect. I will link both of those in the show notes so they can, so if people wanted to buy those, they can get a hold of those. But is there anything else you would like to leave our listeners with today? Any advice or anything you think that they should know? Yeah, I would just say that if you want to change your lifestyle, then it's, uh, it could be a, might be a big undertaking, but you can do it. You can, if you commit to it, basically set goals, start, most people should start slow and take baby steps and gradually increase, but commit to it, believe in yourself, stay consistent. Consistency is so important and have, have a, a buddy or a, a, an accountability partner, someone who will be there for you to help you, a coach or whatever it is, someone that you could be accountable to and just keep going and know that if you, if there's setbacks or, or failures, there probably will be, but that's okay. That's all part of the journey to learn something from it and keep moving forward. And I think that, um, you know, if you believe in yourself, you will be able to change your life lifestyle and feel healthier and just basically feel, feel great about it. Thank you so much. I love that. That's so true. All of those things, always having an accountability partner and consistency, 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 one mm -hmm. day at a time. Just take it one step at a time. Don't think about the long road. Think about today. Absolutely. Sure. Yes. 
Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I, we learned so much and I absolutely loved having you on the show. So yeah, thank thanks, Abby. I love being here. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. We will all see you next week. Bye.